Genesis chapter 10. These are the generations of the sons of Noah, Shem, Ham, and Japheth. Sons were born to them after the flood. The sons of Japheth, Gomer, Magog, Medai, Javan, Tubal, Meshech, and Tiras. The sons of Gomer, Ashkenaz, Riphath, Togarma. The sons of Javan, Elisha, Tarshish, Kittim, and Dodanim. These were the coastland peoples spread in their lands. Sorry, from these, the coastland peoples spread in their lands, each with his own language, by their clans, in their nations. The sons of Ham, Cush, Egypt, Put, and Canaan. The sons of Cush, Seba, Avila, Sabta, Rema, and Sabtika. The sons of Rema, Sheba, and Dedan. Cush fathered Nimrod. He was the first on earth to be a mighty man. He was a mighty hunter before the Lord. Therefore, it is said, like Nimrod, a mighty hunter before the Lord. The beginning of his kingdom was, was Babel, Arak, Akkad, and Kalna, in the land of Shinar. From that land, he went into Assyria and built Nineveh, Rehoboth, Ir, Kala, and Resen. Between Nineveh and Kala, this is the great city. Egypt fathered Ludim, and Ananim, Lahabim, Naphtuhim, and Pashturim, Kalshunim, and from whom the Philistines came, and Kaphtorim. Canaan fathered Sidon, his firstborn, and Heth, and the Jebusites, and the Amorites, and the Girgashites, and the Hivites, the Archites, the Sinites, the Arvadites, the Zemorites, and the Hamathites. Afterward, the clans of the Canaanites dispersed, and the terry of the Canaanites extended from Sidon in the direction of Gerar as far as Gaza, in the direction of Sodom, Gomorrah, Adma, and Zeboim, as far as Lasha. These are the sons of Ham by their clans, their languages, their lands, and their nations. To Shem also, the father of all the children of Eber, the elder brother of Japheth, children were born. The sons of Shem, Elam, Asher, Arpekshad, Lud, and Aram. The sons of Aram, Uz, Hul, Gether, and Mash. Arpakshad fathered Shelah, and Shelah fathered Eber. To Eber were born two sons. The name of the first, was, the first one was Peleg, for in his days the earth was divided. And his brother's name was Joktan. Joktan fathered Almodad, Shelef, Hezemreveth, uh, Jera, Hadoram, Uzel, Dikla, Obel, Abimiel, Sheba, Ophir, Havila, and Jobab. All these were the sons of Joktan. The territory in which they lived extended from Misha in the direction of Sephar to the hill country of the east. These are the sons of Shem by their clans, their languages, their lands, and their, and their nations. And these are the clans of the sons of Noah according to their genealogies in their nations. And from these, the nations spread abroad on the earth after the flood. This is the word of our Lord. Please be seated. Let's pray again together. Heavenly Father, as we look at this daunting list of names, Lord, we're, we're cognizant of the fact that, that many of these names are, are completely unfamiliar to us. Lord, some of these names are, are familiar and, and we see them and we understand from the, the history of Israel that, that these were, were people who were, who were enemies of Israel, that they were your enemies. Lord, I pray that as we look at this passage that you would enlighten this to us by your Spirit. Lord, help us to understand in a deeper way as we consider who these people were that it would help us to, to understand more fully who you are and what you are doing in the world. Lord, I, I pray that, that you would 
uh, help us to gain a greater appreciation for these genealogies or these things that, that so, we so, so easily ignore or, or skim over. Father, I, I pray that you'd help us to see that they are part uh, of the whole counsel of your word and that, that these have a, a vitally important message for us, even for those who are, are several, thousands years or, several thousand years removed from the names on this list. Lord, help us to see where we are on this list. Help us to see, Lord, the, the one to whom the, these, these key names pointed. Lord, help us to find life in him. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, Genesis 10 marks the beginning of a new Toledot, the, the fourth of ten, the, the generations of the sons of Noah, Shem, Ham, and Japheth. And this passage provides a bridge between the account of Noah and the account of Abraham. And it, although it includes the, the Tower of Babel account, this Toledot story is told primarily by genealogy. Genesis 10 is the second genealogy in the book of Genesis. A couple of months ago, as you remember, we, we studied Genesis 5. And I asked you then what, what you do when you come to a genealogy in Scripture. Do you, do you skim over it or, or do you skip it? And I asked you what is your attitude to the begatitudes? That's how Andrew Curry, a pastor in Lisbon, Lisbon Northern Ireland, and one of my classmates at, at TMS referred to this, to, to this genre of Scripture, these genealogies, these, these lists of names when he, he put together his, his doctoral dissertation. Now, I don't know if Andrew coined the term begatitude, but, it, but it's a really helpful way to understand the, the message of the genealogies because in these lists of names in Scripture, these, these begats, these so-and-so begat, so-and-so, and so on, we see the blessings of God passed on from generation to generation. We, we see that God is indeed faithful to his covenant people. Now, the, the genealogy that we looked at back in Genesis 5 is, is pretty straightforward. It, it, it's, it follows the, the line of, of Adam down to Noah. But Genesis 10 is a lot more challenging. I've, I've sought much prayer from, from many of you as, as I approach this, this passage and, and, and try to think, okay, well, how, how can I present this passage in, in a way that it's not just a data dump, but a way that would help you to understand what, what God is doing. This passage is, is more challenging in part because, because it doesn't just follow one line, but three. This is called a segmented genealogy. It's dealing with, with three different lines of people, the, the lines of Shem, Ham, and Japheth, the three sons of Noah. It's also challenging because it doesn't just list names of people, but of peoples of ethnic groups and also of, of locations, of places. And, and so even though some of these names are going to figure prominently in, in Genesis and in other places in Scripture, many of the names that are here are, are really foreign to us. They're, they're names that, that, that really even scholars have, have no, no real knowledge of, of who they, they were. It's also challenging because be, because there, there's no clear exhortation in this passage. There, there, there's nothing that really, no, no instruction that really jumps off the page at you and, and you can, so you can, can lay hold of it. So what do you do with passages like Genesis chapter 10? 
Uh, one of the main advantages, uh, or some would say perhaps disadvantages, of expository preaching is that it forces you to preach through books and chapters of the Bible that you wouldn't normally preach on. Forces you to, to deal with passages that, that it wouldn't be your first choice to, to, to go to. But friends, 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17 is true. All scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction and training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. All scripture is profitable, including Genesis 10. So how can we profit then from Genesis 10 this morning? Well, there's several key things that, that we'll be able to see from this passage, but first of all, Genesis 10 shows us that God's plan is global. That God's plan is global. It's not just for the nation of Israel. Remember where this Toledot sits, but between the story of Noah and the story of Abraham. And so before moving to Abraham to focus more narrowly on the line of Israel, the that Moses is, is including here a broad sweep looking at, at the nations of the world. And so, so we see here in this passage that, that God has a sovereign plan for the peoples of the whole world. So again, before concentrating on Israel, Moses is looking broadly at the whole human race. Friends, we're all part of the same family coming from the same father, first Adam, and then through Noah, and then through his three sons. But as we'll see from this passage, even though we're all family, we are divided. We are divided. That's the refrain of this passage. We're divided by lands, by language, by clans and nations. So see, these, th this division has an, an underlying cause, a deeper underlying cause that will become more evident when we get to chapter 11. But this passage points ahead. It, it points ahead to the, the ultimate answer. In fact, the only answer for division. God's plan for the nations overrules everything that divides us. So this morning, we're going to see these three things. Three main points. We're going to see the unity of the nations. We're going to see the division of the nations. And then we're finally going to see the hope of the nations. So, for, so first of all, let's look at the unity of the nations. Just tracking back a little bit into the last Toledot and the, the story of, of Noah and the flood. Remember that God saw that the wickedness of man was very great on the earth and that, that every intention of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. And so God regretted that he had made man and determined to blot him out from the face of the earth. Genesis 6, 5, and 7. Yet, in verse 8 of chapter 6, we see that Noah found favor in the eyes of the Lord. Remember, I explained that, that, that in contrast to what, he was, what, what was going on with everybody else, that, that God focused his grace. That word favor is, is the same word for grace. He focused his grace on Noah and made Noah the recipient of his grace. And so the Lord told Noah to make an ark and to bring his, his family aboard with representatives of, of every air-breathing animal. 
And you know what happened next? God sent a global flood to wipe out life from the earth. Every living thing on the earth died except for Noah, his family, and those animals on the ark. But then God remembered Noah and dried up the waters of the, and the ark's passengers came out on dry land. And then in chapter 9, verse 1, God blessed Noah and his sons, telling them to be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. And he repeated the command. It's a blessing and a command in, in verse 7 of chapter 9, telling them be fruitful and multiply and increase greatly on the earth and multiply in it. And then God established his covenant with Noah and Noah's sons, promising never to destroy the earth again with a flood. But we know that the peace didn't last. It's on the heels of that covenant. We see that Noah became drunk and lay uncovered in his tent and his youngest son, Ham, dishonored him by gawking at him and then gossiping to his brothers. And Ham's brothers, Shem and Japheth, on the other hand, r- responded by honoring their father and, and covering him, taking pains t- to not see his nakedness. When Noah found out what Ham had done, he cursed Ham's youngest son, Canaan, but blessed Shem and Japheth. And so chapter 9 ends with the death of Noah at the ripe old age of 950. With the beginning of, of this Toledot in, in chapter 10, we're told right off the bat, these are the generations of the sons of Noah, Shem, Ham, and Japheth. Sons were born, at, born to them after the flood. Chapter 10, verse 1. And this is repeated again within an inclusio in verse 31, providing really bookends to the genealogy. These are the clans of the sons of Noah according to their genealogies in their nations, and from these the nations spread abroad on the face of the earth after the flood. And so this heard this name in this genealogy, their, their ears would have, would have perked up. Now, I remember years ago going to the movies t- to see the, the, the movie Return of the King, Lord of the Rings, Return of the King. And there's a friend of mine who is in the, the movie industry and, and, and worked on this movie. And so, after the movie, when the, when the movie was over, I sat back with, 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 a, with a, another f- a couple of friends and waited for, 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 for Mike's name to come up. Now, it wasn't like, like some of the movies where there's, there's outtakes or little things at the end. There was, there was nothing at the end of this movie except names, lots and lots and lots of names. But we stayed there and looked for Mike's name. But friends, this line is immeasurably greater. This is not just the Lord of the Rings. This is the Lord of Lords. This is not just the return of a, of a human king, but of the, the king of kings. So, so this, this name, Eber, points to something far greater, points to someone far greater. 
And the next important name here is, is Peleg. We mentioned him earlier from verse 25. To Eber were born two sons. The name of one was Peleg, for in his days the earth was divided and his brother's name was Joktan. Now, Peleg is, is far more vital to the storyline of the Bible than Joktan. But, but very little is, is said about Peleg while, while several generations of, of, of Joktan are listed. Several of, of Joktan's sons are listed. This is the same situation as I mentioned earlier. Moses is going to circle back in the second half of Genesis chapter 11 to trace the genealogy of Peleg, Peleg, the ancestor of Abram. So this passage serves to, to, to set the line in a, in a, of, of Shem in its international context to show how it is related to the other nations of the ancient world and to prepare the way for the story of Abraham. And once we begin to focus on Abraham from Genesis chapter 12, we're really going to begin to see the, the hope of the nations. I think it would be helpful if for a moment we just, just go there to, to Genesis chapter 12. Look at verses 2 and 3. We'll go to verse 1. Now the Lord said to Abram, his name before the, this, the covenant that God gave him when he changed his name to Abraham, he said, now go from your country and from your kindred, from your father's house to the land I will show you. And I will make of you a great nation and I will bless you and make you your name great so that you will be a blessing. And hear this, I will bless those who bless you. To him who dishonors you, I will curse. And in you, all of the families of the earth will be blessed. This, this promise that is, is to, to Abram and, and to his descendants, to the, the, to the Israel, that they would be a blessing to the nations. And so in this list, is this, this genealogy of 70, these 70 names that are listed here, we, we can see, as Kenneth Matthews explains, that, that even Israel's traditional enemies, the Canaanites and the Assyrians and the Egyptians, are, are named to remind the reader that they will be beneficiaries of the promissory blessing. That, that even amongst, amongst these enemies of Israel, there are going to be people who are elect. There are going to be people who come to saving faith. There is war between the two seeds, between the seed of the, the serpent and the seed of the woman, but the battle lines are not drawn up as you might expect. We've already seen that, how, how even in, in the line of, of Adam, Cain was of the seed of the serpent. How in the line of Noah, Ham is of the seed of the serpent. Yet, it's not so cut and dry. Because some of, of Ham's descendants will receive the covenant blessings of God. So it's, it's, it's not that all Israel is the seed of the covenant, and then there's everyone else uh, alone with, with the this, this seed of, of Canaan being the seed of the, of the curse. Uh, apart from God's grace, we're all under the curse. We're all seed of the serpent. But what Moses is communicating here, that God has a special role for the seed of Abraham that is to bring blessing for the whole earth. N not geographical countries, but ethnos, people groups. Not everyone, but individuals, elect, chosen by God. 
So because of this genealogy in chapter 10, as we fast forward into the New Testament, into the the new covenant in Christ, because of Genesis chapter 10, we have this commission of Matthew chapter 28. And Jesus came and said to them, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. So go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. We also have the commission of Acts 1. But you'll receive power. When the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. And so when we track forward then through the book of Acts, when we come to Acts chapter eight, who do we see getting saved? The Ethiopian eunuch of the line of Ham. In Acts chapter nine, who do we see being saved? Saul, who becomes Paul of the line of Ham. In Acts chapter 10, who do we see being saved? Cornelius of the line of Japheth. Friends, this is not an accident. God is showing you in his word that these promises that that are made to, 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 to the patriarchs and ultimately then beyond to the nations, that these are directly applicable to us. That, that we can go and, and spread the gospel, the fame of Christ, and being confident that God is going to save his people from every tribe and every tongue and every nation. So before we close, let's just turn in our Bibles for a moment to Revelation chapter 7. Revelation chapter 7, where, where we see the final fulfillment of these things. Revelation chapter 7, verses, uh, verses 9 and 10. Just earlier in, in chapter 7, we, we see these tribes of, of, of Israel. What I alluded to earlier, I mentioned earlier that, that many in Israel who are, who are truly elect will come, back to, to, will come back to the gospel, will come to the Lord. But in, in verses 9 and 10, after this, I looked and behold a great multitude that no one could number from every nation and from all tribes and peoples and languages standing before the throne, before the Lamb, clothed in white robes with palm branches in their hands, crying out with a loud voice, salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. Here we have every nation from all tribes and peoples and languages. Before they'd been been scattered. They'd been scattered geographically. They'd been scattered linguistically. But here they're gathered together in one place with one voice, praising one person. The solution to the vision that is taking place on the earth is the same solution that is taking that has taken place between the and the division between us and God. That solution is Jesus Christ. He is the Lamb on the throne. He is the one who deserves our praise. God is faithful to His plans and to His people. Let's pray together. Glorious God, as we consider the gospel, 
What we see there in in seed form in these early chapters of Genesis, as we track through the scriptures, we begin to see the fulfillment that takes place in Christ. Lord, we thank you as, as we sit here as recipients of the blessings of the new covenant in Christ. Lord, we look forward to that day when people will be gathered from every tribe and tongue and nation and will bow together and praise you with one voice, giving you the glory that you deserve. So Lord, we pray as, as your people, these recipients of these blessings, Lord, who have, we have no claim on them. Simply by your electing grace, Lord, help us to, to see that this great grace and help us to worship you in spirit and in truth. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.